you for joining the IPG Media Lab up here on Floor 9. I am your host, Scott Elcherson, and today it's all about Facebook, F8, and developer season is finally upon us. Uh, with me today, we have uh, Christina Andronley from the strategy team here at the lab. Hi. And as always, we've got Adam Simon as well from the strategy team here. Hello. Um, so to start off, uh, guys, uh, Mark was on stage, uh, and his first thing out of his mouth, I believe, was the future is private. Uh, and there were really six different pillars that he was speaking to uh, about Facebook's transition to this um, you know, more privacy-focused platform. What are your initial thoughts about Facebook's transition to this privacy-focused future? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're seeing a lot of... Um skepticism um, and questions about this, uh, that whether they actually mean it uh, from the press and, and from users in general. Uh, but I think that if you think about it, I think it's pretty obvious that Facebook is going to do most of the things that they're talking about on stage. Of course, uh, F8 has a pretty spotty track record when it comes to actually shipping products, but this this larger push towards privacy has been something that they've been talking about separately. Um, and I, I do think that that is going to happen because it's um, it has nothing to do necessarily directly with the um, larger, I think, pushback um, and, and you know, sort of year and a half full of privacy scandals we've seen. I think it has more to do with the fact that consumers are um, are moving in this direction in general. And like it, it's a continued uh, pushback against what uh, is uh, working with Snapchat, which is private conversations. Um, and Snapchat in the US continues to be their biggest competitor. I mean, it's not that they're, they're stealing users at this point away from Facebook or that Facebook is, I think, going to steal users away from Snapchat. It's just like with stories, uh, private conversations and this emphasis on privacy is around making sure that people who aren't already using Snapchat don't start using Snapchat. Mm. Christina, what are your thoughts? My initial reaction was similar to Adam's and it was kind of this chicken and egg thing. Are people moving away from the newsfeed because of issues of privacy or is or vice versa. And I think for Facebook to get up there and almost take this benevolent, humanistic approach to privacy is you could read it at first as, oh, they're finally understanding ethics and the problems on their platform. But more importantly, I think they're riding this wave of consumer attention that's shifting away from the newsfeed into private messaging. So is it benevolent or is it profit maximizing? I think it leans more towards the latter, especially with the introduction of other things like commerce. Um, but it's a it's a nice narrative for them to put out there. Yeah, I think it's yep. a, a strategy credit that they're doing this for competitive reasons and for business driven reasons. And the credit is that it also looks good compared to all of the things that people have been complaining about with Facebook for the past couple of years. Yeah, but if you look at it like par for par, who I find on the consumer side a healthy dose of skepticism that Facebook can execute on privacy. And uh, maybe they can, maybe they can't. That was a very aspirational vision that was put out yesterday. But um, who, if I've been a Facebook user whose information has been hacked, what leads me to believe that now is the time that they are going to get privacy right? Yeah. I mean, I think that Facebook is also using a very specific um, 
version of the word privacy to mean something <laughs> specific. And I think the other thing is that they're very just allowing everybody to interpret this um, in, in broad strokes as they, they want to. Privacy obviously has a lot of different meanings for different people and different groups of people. And what Facebook means when they mean, say, privacy is um, end-to-end encryption of messages, which is something that we know they can do. They already have it in WhatsApp. It will be you know, not um, uh, a huge undertaking to move it to Instagram and uh, Messenger as well. Um, and then just that um, that that Facebook themselves will have uh, not be able to read the content of your messages, and that is something that is does represent privacy part of, part of privacy, but it doesn't represent things like um, being able to target people based on um, their economic status for advertising and, and being able to um, reduce harassment of uh, women and other minority groups on on in more public channels. You don't have to be totally public to have to deal with harassment, right? There are plenty mm-hmm. of groups where and. and they talked about this on stage where things like harassment and misinformation can be a problem. And I think one of the biggest problems that everybody would like to see Facebook solve is the spread of misinformation on the platform. Um, but actually pushing people further into, into groups might actually just make that worse. It just in- encourages the filter bubble problem of I'm only seeing the things that are posted by people who think who agree with me and think about things in the same way that I do, that can really just help spread uh, misinformation as we've seen with uh, the way that WhatsApp is used in some countries True, um, to spread misinformation. True. But I mean, in a sense, but couldn't you also say that if you're pushing people towards these more one-to-one personal com- like connections that if they are no longer spending time on the newsfeed, it also kind of in a sense like puts a filter out there. It's like they don't see a lot of the content that does spread virally through the newsfeed because they are only interacting with the people that, and content that they want to. Just because they're not seeing things posted publicly doesn't mean the content can't spread virally. This is what um, what we've seen with, with WhatsApp in other countries. It's actually harder to regulate that content because Facebook can't see it. They can't see you, – you can't flag content and, um, you know, do things like, you know, they've experimented with posting um, links to, um, to uh, Wikipedia articles and other, like, sources of truth um, next to um, – fake news, basically. Um, You can't do that when the messages are end-to-end encrypted and sent either between individuals or within groups. And the other thing is that we tend to talk about groups and imagine them that it's like the 20 people who live in your apartment building or like a small neighborhood. But some of these groups have millions of people in them. Um, And that Mm. is is something that... uh, is important to think about is that there are tons of groups around like anti-vaxxer groups um, on Facebook that already exist um, and that spread uh, uh, misinformation and misleading content that way. In the same way that, for example, on YouTube, right, um, they are incented to keep you on the platform by serving up another thing that is just like the thing you watched in the same way that an algorithm is doing that for you and could lead you down to take Adam's example, an anti-vaxxer set of content that over time proves to be become quote unquote true to you. In the same way that that algorithm is forcing that community kind of network effect, uh, a group could simulate the same thing just in a self-selected way where you're seeing the same content over and over by the people on your group and to the point where it becomes your reality. It's a, it's a human human algorithm in a sense, right? That's, that's like what it comes down to. Um, but I mean, so I think that's a great way to well, transition straight into this idea of groups, events, and stories because that's really is where Facebook is putting a lot of their effort and time and new product developments into. Um, 
And I just want to call out, I know there was a chart that we've all seen back in 2007 from Business Insider that just showed the top four uh, messaging apps surpassing the top four social network maps in terms of total monthly active users. Um, so I, you know, I think going back to our, our, like the start of the conversation is that, you know, this is something that I think Facebook has been seeing for a while and the, like, like the privacy narrative on top of it is just kind of like some icing onto the cake, but they're in a sense, we're already developing these, these tools and products. Um, so looking at what they did announce uh, at F8, um, Adam, I'm, we'd love to hear from you kind of some of the things that really stood out to you when, uh, you know, Facebook started to announce some of like the new products specific to groups and events uh, that'll be rolling out in the next, uh, you know, few weeks to a uh, few months. Uh, it's good to see them looking at events. I think that events have always been, or not always, but have for a long time have been um, an underdeveloped product at Facebook. Um, and un- there's certainly not ad products that are directly related to events. And it's definitely an opportunity for um, for to generate advertising revenue for Facebook and and for um, you know people who are uh, running events. Um, so I, they still haven't quite gotten there, but I'm hopeful that maybe uh, they will continue to invest in that. Um, the groups thing, it, you know, like like we said, it's uh, a way to move people off of newsfeed without fundamentally changing the product that they're looking at because groups basically function as like separate newsfeeds uh, for the, a smaller number of people within them. Um, and stories, you know, stories are, are just a great mobile native format and people love them. Uh, and I think we should continue to see stories um, expand. Um, and all of these things will basically function to, uh, depending on how people adopt them and different um, different demographics adopt them, will start to move people off of core, the core newsfeed product. But there's no reason to think that it's necessarily going to reduce the um, uh, effectiveness of ads. Obviously, um, stories right now carry fewer ads than the newsfeed, and that is something that Facebook is has acknowledged and is working on. Um, but it, as those formats develop, I think they're, the ad load and, and the ability to reach users on those platforms will remain the same. And the good news about things like stories um, is that they work cross-platform. So as we know, the users who have turned away from Facebook, a lot of them are still on Instagram. So um, because stories runs across both of those platforms, as well as Messenger and WhatsApp, it gives you an opportunity to reach them on any Facebook platform with one format. Right. And not only that, but just if we look at some other kind of like competitors like Snapchat, that, that actual story format is now going to Tinder and House Party, and they've developed uh, an, an actual like developer tool so that you can integrate Snapchat stories into other apps. So like we are starting to see this, like you said, to spread across not, not only Facebook uh, ecosystems, but just in general across like the larger app ecosystem, the stories format is becoming uh, really like that new way to share and consume content. Yeah, that's a good point. A lot of advertisers, when stories first showed up on Snapchat, weren't adopting them right away because it obviously is a new new format required new production resources and new assets and things like that. But uh, the fact is that you can basically develop as long as you're developing vertical content, um, they will you can basically run the same thing across Facebook properties and Snapchat at this point. Yeah. And just so we have some numbers out there, uh, the Facebook plus Messenger uh, daily active users has reached 500 million. Uh, Instagram stories has also reached 500 million and WhatsApp statuses have also reached 500 million daily active users compared to uh, Snapchat stories, which uh, tops out at 190 million daily active users. So uh, the story format is really, uh, it's becoming uh, well-liked, <laughs> I'd, ha- I'd have to say. Um, so when we, I guess we, we already spoke about this a little bit, but um, is Facebook going to pivot away from the newsfeed? I think newsfeed stays around for a really long time. Uh, I don't, they're, they're not going to get rid of it. it. They make a ton of money off of it. And it, it's just might start to see less active development in terms of new features and things like that. Um, but it's it'll be there if people want to use it. And eventually people, I think the ex- expectation even from Facebook at this point is that people will migrate to newer formats over time. 
Um, but I don't think that means newsfeed goes away. I think it, it's a slow fade, if anything, and that fade is probably going to take at least a decade. So that's not bad. It's a slow burn. Um, but then, you know, so that over time, then obviously there's going to be a question of well, how does Facebook then monetize, right? Because there's going to be a slow, slow breakdown of uh, the people's attention going away from newsfeed into these groups, into these uh, events. Um, Christine, I mentioned that you like, like, what are some ways that Facebook potentially like you know monetize these platforms, or like what are the, what are the opportunities for like, brands to come in and help you know support that uh, ecosystem? Yeah, I think we're starting to see them diversify away from just an advertising heavy model, uh, which to Adam's point, I think. The newsfeed isn't going anywhere yet, um, but they are starting to um, hedge in other types of business models, whether that's commerce um, or whether that's video or whether that's hardware, for example. I think the commerce angle is specifically really interesting. I think Instagram has long been a source of discovery for products and um, they've recently launched a number of new commerce tools that allow you to check out with brands directly in the app, um, as well as some other creator tools on Instagram that help. I totally agree. I know the big announcement that, that, that they had on stage was like the uh, like the new shopping tags that were in beta, but now they're uh, coming to public figures, creators, athletes, uh, publishers, and artists. Uh, so now anybody that really has some you know influence on Instagram can tag their products and then in a sense start start making revenue that way. Um, but they also kind of came out with some announcements across WhatsApp Messenger and the actual Facebook main app, all focus around commerce. So WhatsApp, for example, now has product catalogs, so business accounts can actually upload product uh, into like their business pages to serve to, to consumers. They're testing also uh, peer-to-peer payments on WhatsApp out in India right now, which has seen some early success. Uh, Messenger has a new booking appointment, so you can use a chatbot to actually book appointment at different businesses. Uh, notably, they also have a lead generation template, which I thought was pretty exciting. I've I've heard some interest uh, in you know how to generate more leads on Facebook. Facebook, so I thought that was a cool announcement. Um, and then when when it comes to the Facebook main app, it seems like it's really focused on uh, the marketplace and the marketplace tab. So we're creating areas for uh, you know ways to make payments to handle shipping directly through that that actual platform. Then also uh, looking at those buy and selling groups to see if there are ways that they can actually um, you know help service uh, whether that is like I said through payments or shipping or whatever it might be. Um, so it's a lot of focus on on social commerce they announced. And, and Adam, I'm curious, like why do you think there is so much focus on social commerce in these new environments? Um, I think it's an obvious thing for them to expand into. It has no implications on on the sort of shift to privacy. It's something that can develop entirely separately from that. Um, and it's a way to generate revenue that is not um, not ad-based and so lets them um, sort of operate uh, in different teams. I'm guessing it's different product teams that are developing the commerce features that are separate from the teams that are working on the sort of user-focused, um, the, the features designed to um, increase and extend engagement. And <clears throat> it lets them develop those things separately without having to worry about ad monitoring monetization at this point. Um, eventually, obviously, these are all things that can, once you have people spending money, you can then sell ads to influence them to spend that money. Um, and I'm sure it will be tied together, but I think it's a, a nice uh, alternative revenue source for them. Um, and it's something that people have been asking for on Instagram forever. Um, and, mm-hmm. and also, I think, on WhatsApp as well in other parts in other countries. Um, so I think that it's it's sort of like, just give the people what they want. There's a way for you to make money <laughs> off of it. Um, it's kind of uh, surprising. I know that, obviously, you want to be careful to to not um, overload the experience, and, and especially on Instagram. I know they were very protective of that, and I think that's why they moved so slowly. But now that we see them looking for new sources of revenue growth, I think it is it, they're doing the obvious things, and that's good. Yeah, no, that's great. And I also, I also think that you said nobody wants an ad in their private chat. That would just be uh, right. that'd be a nightmare. <laughs> 
Yeah, and I think that that has always been the challenge of monetizing WhatsApp and Messenger is how do you is ads are not a great fit for those platforms, but especially on WhatsApp, we see a lot of traction with businesses globally. Um, so giving them the ability to sell in those channels is the other way to make money. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and well, so I kind of want to uh, talk quickly about the uh, Facebook's new co-viewing uh, product that was actually announced in Messenger. So uh, the streaming wars are ever changing. It seems like there's a new uh, company coming out with content or a show uh, every day. Disney Plus and Apple TV Plus are uh, be launching in the fall. Um, Adam, as our expert of everything content, OTT, and streaming. Um, what are your thoughts on this new co-streaming product? Because I have seen some startups in the past develop the co-streaming product. It seems like there's been a need for it, but it never really took off. There's, there was never really like a big uh, shift that was like, wow, this, this, this became the hot app to watch content. So do you think it's going to be successful? What are your, yeah, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, mean, I, I think it's um, a good idea. They've actually been working on this. for. They announced had announcements around co-viewing last year as well. Um, this year, they've extended the, uh, the, the ability to do it inside of Messenger as well as inside of the main Facebook app. Um, I think the challenge, two challenges. Um, one is, do people actually want to do this? Um, as you've said, there have been another number of startups. I myself have worked on a number of projects around, um, you know, social viewing of, of, of video content on various platforms. Uh, I think it's a thing that everybody, you know, intellectually, it makes sense, but we've never really seen consumers adopt it. Um, so I think that there's the question of, is this something people really want? Um, and is it significantly better than, let's say, sitting on my couch with a remote and Netflix and maybe FaceTiming somebody if I want to talk mm -hmm. to them? Like, does it all have to be built into to one platform? Um Obviously, there are reasons to, to want it to be built into one platform. And the other challenge, and I think the main challenge for Facebook, and the reason why we can't say definitively whether people want this or not, is we've never actually seen the um, platform provider who's providing the co-viewing service fully integrated with the content providers, um, which is why we don't know if people if people really want it. And, I, and the challenge around Facebook has been that Facebook Watch just does not have a ton of compelling content in it. So, um, you know, and I think that will that continue, is, that is very to, true. Be, will continue <laughs> to be the challenge in that, um, you know, I would love to see YouTube try something like this, or I would love to see Apple try something like this. Apple could build this into FaceTime and have you open the TV app on your, on your iPhone and view content that way. Um, so, or the alternative is for Facebook to sort of clean up their their licensing and get some actual premium content that people really care about into into watch, um, because just developing their own original content hasn't worked that well. Um, you know, the other thing is maybe put it into Instagram instead. That's one place that it's not showing up in the Facebook ecosystem right now. But one thing that I would be interested in is watching. You know, they've been developing IGTV as a premium product. If you could watch that with your friends, would more people engage with that product? I don't know. The other thing that I think that they're sort of ignoring is bringing this co-viewing product together with the other thing that they're working on, which we were just talking about, which is shopping. I actually think that being able to talk to somebody and shop Instagram with them might be a more compelling use case than just watching a random Facebook watch video. So like there's I think I think that there's something valuable for Facebook in in developing this technology. I just figure I just don't think that they figured out how to crack the exact product that will actually get people engaging around it. That's a lot to take in. Uh, that's a lot. <laughs> you were you weren't kidding when you had thoughts. Um yeah, no I mean the the one thing that I find interesting that you brought up is that like the idea of bringing that like like co-shopping to or like co-viewing and shopping to Instagram. Um 
I think there's always been a lot of interest in, in a sense, like, like those like live shopping channels, like, you know, um, QVC and home shopping network. Um, you know, Amazon's tried their own, uh, kind of like, like style or twist on that as well. Um, and that might be something that is, you know, a bit more successful, a bit more enjoyable, just because like you're shopping with your friends in like a, in a more intimate space that you can kind of just browse different brand channels, whatever it might be. Yeah, one thing that um, brick and mortar retail shopping still does that uh, that online shopping has never done is uh, it created a social experience, right? Like there there is a thing that not everybody, but some people go shopping with their friends. And a lot of it is about hanging out with your friends and getting their opinions on things. And it's not strictly about the transactional purchase. And I think that there's room to develop that online. And who knows, again, people might not want that. It might be a very small number of people who want that, but no one's really explored it. For me, I think the use case that it goes really well with are live experiences. Mm. So think live on the TV side and even live in something like a drop in retail um, where there is a concentration of attention of a bunch of people on one thing for a set period of time, all making decisions together, talking about what's going on. I think that use case feels almost more compelling to me than your average on-demand content that you could get, or even your average on-demand shopping experience. Although I think that is a great idea and I think could work. Um, But it almost, I wonder if they make a play for something like live news content or live sports content where co-viewing could potentially, when you were talking about getting their rights in order, I could see them potentially making a play for like a Fox News or even... NFL rights or something like that. Yeah, well, they 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 made a play for the NFL uh, rights uh, a few years back, but I think Twitter beat them out for that. Um, yeah, Twitter or, or, or Amazon expanding their, yeah. their live content at their their new front this this week. They uh, acquired a bunch more live content rights. Um, Facebook seems to have backed away from that at least for now. The only thing with live is all of this regulation that's coming up in Europe and New Zealand and Australia. I could see that being a barrier, but. Um, for me, when I want to watch something with other people and I'm not in the same location, it is sports and it is kind of appointment viewing. Yeah. Yeah. And and there are obviously are a few things outside of sports and news where that really happens at this point. Game of Thrones obviously yeah. being one of them. And, and it might be interesting to like... I don't know. There, there's a lot of obviously Game of Thrones is, is almost over, um, but in, there's a lot of people trying to generate that kind of appointment viewing with new new types of contents. And I think uh, figuring out how to facilitate co-viewing around it, around something that might be the next appoint, appointment viewing is an interesting concept. Yeah. Well, it's something definitely to think about and keep our eye on as we see these products be uh, rolled out um, from F8 this year and what was all announced. So uh, I want to bring it into just one last section here is talking about some brand takeaways. So like looking at, at, at F8 and the different uh, products that were announced, uh, what are some, some brand takeaways that you think um, you know our brand should be thinking about and potentially even activating on uh, in these you know next six months to uh, you know a year? Yeah, I think we talked about kind of the slow ish potential decline of the news feed. So I think, you know, continue to monitor action on that and see how consumer attention shifts. But I think that's still for the foreseeable future, a good place for scale. But I do think there are new ways to interact with consumers on a more one-to-one basis. I think things like customer service in messenger, where it's almost like a 
text to get service or text to buy functionality, although that hasn't been explicitly called out, I could see um, additional functionality potentially rolling out that might merit testing right now. But I do really like the idea of even more convenient service and even more convenient connections between uh, brands and consumers via that platform. Yeah, absolutely. Adam, what about yourself? Yeah, I mean, I think investing in stories um, is an obvious uh, next step, um, both in terms of organic reach and then eventually, uh, or starting now, but continually increasing investment in stories-based advertising and and um, paid placements inside of stories. The one thing I'll add to that is just you know make design design your content for the stories format. That's that's yeah. that's the one thing I'd say is that it's very easy to tell when something's I think maybe something's overproduced. Um, make it you know feel like it was made by one of your friends and family. You know, make it kind of gritty. Make it kind of uh, this like natural raw. I think that performs pretty well, or at least that's what I like when I see it across Instagram, Snapchat, wherever it, it might be hidden. Um, cool. Well, all right. Well, we'll see everybody back here next week for Google I.O., uh, potentially Microsoft Build. We'll see what comes out. And if you're looking for more great content, please check out our website at ipglab.com. From there, you can subscribe to our weekly newsletter. If you're looking for the full event recap of F8, we have it fully written out on our Medium blog. So go check that out and follow us on our social channels. You can follow us at, at IPGLab for Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and if you like, share, tell your friends, give us a review on, on Apple Podcasts. Whatever you can do, we greatly appreciate it. So thank you. And we'll see you back here next week for Google I.O. Thank you.